You're listening to the Just Jazz and Co podcast, the show where you hear the how, why, and what of ambitious careers with me, Just Jazz, and many guests. I'm a multi-passionate, wildly ambitious lover of tea and R&B. I'm also on a mission to guide more high achievers to the careers and lives they deeply desire through coaching. Yep, you heard me. Desire, no shame or secrets about it. Here, we boldly embrace ambition by owning, being, and doing more in our careers. And in each episode, we break down the barriers to creating something that will make you and everyone you know step back in awe while keeping it simple. So what are you waiting for? Let's dive into the episode. Hi, folks, and welcome to this week's episode of the Just Jazz and Co podcast. Today, I have another guest to introduce you to. Her name is Anais Koma. How are you, Anais? I'm good. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me, Jazz. Thank you for joining. Um, Unbeknownst to many of you, this podcast has been many, many months in the making. Um, We've actually been connected and talking since about January and we're now sitting here in June. So this is a great achievement for both of us. Um, And I was also on Anais's show as well. So we'll put the link um, to that episode in the show notes. So you get the pleasure of both of us being super nosy about each other's careers. Um, but without saying too much, um, can you introduce yourself to our listeners today? Of course, my pleasure. Um, so I'm Anaïs, as you can probably hear from the accent. I am actually French, been based in, in London for eight years now. And essentially what I do now is I work with women to help them build a career they're truly happy with. So it really is all about uh, coaching and development and understanding you know, where they are at uh, professionally, but sometimes also personally, what have they come so far, um, what have they learned, and therefore where do we want to go? next yeah uh some very big and important questions that i can relate to supporting clients with as well how did you come to this work what was your career journey from the beginning so i would say it probably happened almost 10 years ago now. So essentially, um, when I was passing, I think it's the equivalent of the A-levels, if I'm not mistaken, Mm -hmm. uh, when you're in high school graduating or something like that. Um, When I was going through that, I was also working um, at McDonald's. I was working 17 hours. um, So I always have been what I consider myself being a side hustler. I just don't know how to Mm -hmm. do one thing. I just try when there are multiple things I'm I'm working with. Um, But it took me some time to comprehend that this was the best way for me to operate. And essentially, uh, since 16 years old, I know about the world of work in the context of having a part-time student job. And I went through the studies, passed my A-levels, then went through two-year technical degree, went to then a business school. Um, and essentially, I knew coming into the business school that I wanted to become a um, buyer. So I wanted to work within the field of procurement because I mm-hmm. enjoyed the whole like negotiation side of things, uh, international side of relationships as well. Essentially, when you're French, you just have to pick a field of study, stick to it until death. Don't ask me why, but it's just how it works. <laughs> so you're 18 and they're like, okay, now what are you going to do for your bachelor and for your master and you just go all the way up and then mm. you go on to work which 
I think there are absolutely flaws for that system. I also hear, you know, some of the advantages because I think if I'm not mistaken, for example, here in the UK, you sometimes go up to your bachelor, you then work for a couple of years, see, you know, what works for you. And then potentially if you find something that you want to specialize into, you go to doing like an MBA or a master or something, right? Yeah. yeah. Which is great because you can figure out for yourself what is it that you truly enjoy and then pick up the additional knowledge. In my case, this was the other way around. So that means that when I landed on the uh, job market, I pretty much I all the knowledge when it comes to becoming a buyer. So I went super quick in terms of hiring uh, the rank. But actually what happened when I did my very first experience, and this was an internship, it was when I was, yeah, uh, just after 20, I think it was like 22 or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I experienced a burnout because this was mm. the first time in my life where I had a full-time job. So I had one thing to do, one thing to focus on where the rest of like the previous, you know, six years before that, I used to have like multiple things and, and spread my energy. But this time around, I just dedicated everything. I had all of my energy into that internship role as a buyer. And um, it was a fantastic opportunity. I had a great team. I had a great manager. And essentially, I've learned a lot. But the previous person who was there before, she did a burnout herself. That should have been a red flag, but obviously wow. I was too young to consider it. There we go. Yeah. Uh, she was like seven, eight years experienced buyer. And I took her role essentially because she left while I was here. So my manager said, like, if you feel comfortable, take on her position. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like full of energy, full of dedication. Mm. Yeah, of course I can do it. You know, roll sleeve. The whole like good student uh, syndrome or whatever you want to call that. People pleaser, whatever that was behind that. I was like, yeah, yeah, of course I can do it. Challenging myself, obviously, as well. And, and yeah, and so I went super deep into like a, a massive project that I didn't start it in the first place. So for me, it was like hard to comprehend. It was like an Excel spreadsheet with like thousands of lines because essentially was, I mean, I'm not going to get into too much details, but essentially it was a project that involved 17 countries. Mm-hmm. And we were trying to coordinate the way that these 17 countries were purchasing individually their own stuff. So there was okay. a lot of work to do in terms of, yeah, managing those people, which on the people side of things I enjoyed, but the whole like bottom line Excel spreadsheet numbers, like it was just, it was just not my jam. Um, and I tried really hard and essentially until one day I went into a meeting and, um, she wanted me to give you, to give her an update as in my manager. Mm. And my brain just just froze as it I, I I remember very vividly the feeling. It was like, whoa, I'm I'm broke. Like Anais.x has mm. stopped functioning, whatever that is, error message that you can get, you know, sometimes. It's just it was really something. And yeah. and yeah, and then that point she was like, Whoa, she didn't realize that this is how far I've came because to be honest, like any relationship, it was a 50-50. Like I didn't tell her soon enough that I needed further support and she didn't reach out soon enough as well to make sure that I was okay stepping up into that role so yeah Mm. I'm not blaming her in any way it's a 50 50 on this one but yeah essentially it's a very long way for me to tell you uh how I ended up where I am today I think you said before we press record that we will go off tangent well there is one Mm -hmm. uh I experienced burnout when I was in my early 20s and that heavily made me question my relationship with work and how mm. I wanted to navigate my career next. I can I can unroll the rest of, but yeah, I know I've given you a big one here. So yeah. yeah, no, no, no. This is this is amazing. And I think you're the second French guest that I've had. So even hearing you again reflect on the 
I guess the culture around education and careers and really starting it very heavily with education first. Masters are kind of rarities over here. And it's very few people, exactly like you said, who know that they want to do it straight away um, or choose to do it straight away. And even when I think about a lot of my friends who chose to do it straight away, it was because the fields that they were going to go in, um, yeah, they did have a clear picture of the specific role. Whereas the rest of us were like, bachelors, I'm out, peace. Let me go and make some money and make my way in the world. Um, And I think also there was a space, like there's people who I know, like, and they said it quite honestly, they were like, the economy is not good. I'm just going to continue to study until, (laughs) you know, my chances of getting a role are like improved. So it's really interesting to know that that was there. And I guess my curiosity is how does that feel for, I guess, your ambition to get a little bit of higher education and know that you're going to continue a little bit before going in, if that makes sense? Because like, for, if I use myself as an example, I couldn't wait to finish my first degree because I wanted to work. I wanted to see what I was made of. I wanted to apply all of the theory. And that felt like the best expression of my ambition at that time. So you also being ambitious was did it feel like it was taking longer to get to that stage or did it feel just as exciting to deepen your knowledge it's a very good question actually um i would say i managed to follow a path that um, sustained my ambition because between my master one and master two i did that one year internship in paris so i had that whole like on the ground practical experience for an entire okay. year now this is actually forbidden. You can't do 12-month internship. I think it's stuck to six months. But like, to be honest, a 12-month internship is not an internship. It's just just a, you know, um, a short-term contract for you, which was great. Mm. And also, I've decided, because like you said, uh, to be honest with you, I was bored. Like I knew when I came into that business school four years before that I wanted to become a buyer. And I had to go through all of the fuss of like the marketing and the economics mm-hmm. and and finances. I was like, I'm a people person. I know I need to know a little bit about numbers, but I don't care about finance. No offense to finance people. You're doing great, mm-hmm. but it was just not me. <laughs> so like you said, I was very frustrated in that time where I had to go through all of these things. Like you were saying, thinking, I just, I just need to get out. I just need to like hit the ground running with my knowledge and just, just see the word. But because I was still working part-time anyway. I think my my final master, I was working like 20 hours on the side. I had that mm. balance of the theory, but also the practical word as well that kept me on my toes. And I've challenged myself to finish first as part of my promotions, which I did. So that was like a nice challenge to keep myself on my toes and sort of like fulfill that ambition on a theoretical side of things, waiting, like yeah. you're saying, for like the real life to open its doors. Yeah, I love that. That's great. And I think that's something that I know at the time I took for granted while I was working through university. Some of it was related to my degree. In fact, most of it was. Luckily, my degree was hospitality. So that wasn't hard to come by, uh, work in restaurants and fine dining and hotels and things like that. Um, But it did mean that I had a little bit of a leg up when it came to sitting in interviews because I was able to share you know, competency-based interviews, I was able to say, you know, when I did this, when I led this, when we had this event or this shift or this change in the kitchen and things like that. And it it builds your confidence. You know, I was talking to somebody this week who's interested in becoming a coach. And this is definitely, this is my tangent now, (laughs) but you might have some viewpoints on it. But ultimately, um, she's talking about becoming a coach and she was just like, 
I was looking at a few courses. Uh, what do you recommend? Would you recommend that I do a course? And I kind of took a big, deep breath because I've got two coaching certifications. And I almost felt like she expected me to say, you can't be a coach without doing the course or getting the badge. When actually the most powerful and impactful thing about me doing those courses and doing that training, yes, I've got the badge and the ethics and all of that stuff, but I got the practice that helped me build my confidence. And it would have been all good and well, me digesting, reading textbooks about the grow model and reading textbooks about time to think model. And there's so many other things, but it's the moment where we get into that triad or in that pair and we coach each other. And I feel like a coach. I take on the identity of a coach. I walk away from that session with things that I could do better, things that I did really well. I'm able to have that impact on the client in the session. All of those things built my confidence. So I carried myself different even when I was a student or starting out. And I think that's something that I think is true of any stage in your career where I would say to somebody, even if it's a little bit of unpaid work, I know it's not good to say that in 2023. For me, like in university, I did unpaid internships. My maximum for doing that was two weeks. Um, And more often than not, I'd negotiate that they cover my travel expenses so I can make a packed lunch, right? So I had some great experiences doing that so that I could apply the theory to the reality and see if I liked it see if it felt like me and then take that as quite an inspiring thing and weave it back into more of the theory, if that makes sense. So I'd work in a restaurant. I worked in an airport hotel. I built great relationships with the head of meeting and events, the head chef, um, some of the sales teams. So by the time I went on to modules like revenue management or project management, I had people that I could call and say, I'm doing this assignment and they're talking about this and this and this. What what else do you think I should put in the project plan and stuff like that? And it kind of made it 3D and again, helps me sort of try on the hat of hotel revenue manager, hotel meeting and events manager. Um, and I think sometimes it can be easy getting comfortable with one side. It can be comfortable just doing practical because that's how I felt at my stage where I realized I needed to get a degree in real estate to be a surveyor. Um, and I was like, oh, go back to uni. Can I do it? But it also can be really easy to get comfortable just doing the theory. And I've always found the most success when I found a way to sprinkle in a little bit of the other or do both of them side by side. Absolutely. I would agree. I mean, you, you've mentioned a lot here um, mm. that I feel we need to, to dive a little bit more into, but um, first of all, especially when it comes to people, professionals who are considering coaching. So anyone listening to this, for example, who is considering that path, like you were saying, consider how much of experience you've had so far. Consider what's the intention behind the diploma. Is it just having like a stamp for the sake of having that stamp? Or do you feel like you could really, really benefit from the learning? Like I've literally had this conversation with a client of mine a couple of weeks ago. She has been into the HR world and industry for more than a decade. Uh, she's been coaching on a daily basis and she thought that she needed that diploma because that would be the open door. I've actually said to her um 
in you know the four years of business I've done, nobody has ever asked me for my certification. They've asked me the type of result I can get, the type of work that I do, and therefore if they work with me, what they can expect, but not necessarily like the stamp of approval. So I, I would agree with you. And I feel like Everyone is different. Everyone uh, works differently. I also have worked with some clients who are into the academic world. They love their research. You know, they love the theory and the knowledge more than the implementation or to an extent, you know, the the implementation to a, a little bit. And so like you were saying, I think it's about individually finding that balance. And I know for me, for example, I actually finished a master degree, um, so technically a lot of theory, but in practice, I've always had a foot in the working world for, you know, the decade before that. So for me, that that was the balance, like you were saying. But yeah, essentially, anyone listening to this, just you have to find what works best for you, but don't hide between one or the other, literally. <laughs> yeah, I think it's so important because that's another thing uh, when I do my work around imposter syndrome and a lot of people are surprised and because I'm me, I call people people out because there is a persona called the expert and that is the person that is always getting ready there's always a qualification that they need to do oh I need to do the course before I do that oh I need to get this certificate before I even have a uh, informational interview right there's opportunities popping up left right and center in their career or say use the example of coaching they want to be a coach they want to help people through coaching they already are but they're like no 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 that doesn't count those 10 years of being in HR and having coaching conversations every single day doesn't count. I'm not legit until I do this course or indeed three-year program in coaching schools. And I won't start it until I get the certificate. And, you know, if you feel that you have a tendency to <laughs> hold yourself back by just putting things in the way and more courses, look at that intention. Exactly what you said, Anna. It's like, what do you want to get out of this? And is it because you feel deficient from where you're starting? Or is is it, does it actually genuinely add value to your journey? Also, is it genuinely really necessary to your journey? Are there ways for you to do it in a different way? So like if I use the example of my courses, they've both been part-time. I, I chose not to do a degree because for my personal circumstances, I needed to work. I needed to work full-time anyway. Um, to fund setting up the business and I still work full-time now. Um, so there were certain courses that weren't a good fit for me. It was about me kind of looking at them through the lens of what works for my life and still hits the objective of I get the shiny badge, but also I learn the tools and I like to learn interactively. I like to learn flexibly. I like to have enough time to do assignments, et cetera, et cetera. And I think it's important to think about Think about yourself when you're considering any personal development. Just because the book was amazing for someone else, don't beat yourself up if it's really not landing for you. Just because this is the specific course that a lot of people do doesn't mean that it will work for you or it's, it's the best kind of fit for you. And I think that takes a lot of self-trust. It takes a lot of self-trust to kind of go, actually, this is what I need and I'm going to go for that regardless of what I see around me. Yeah, self-trust. And um, I think it's also about being confident enough to, before making a decision, just ask around. Like, don't be afraid to find out the answers. Don't be afraid to hear from various people, their experiences, either going through the coaching qualification, if we stick to that example, or not doing it. Like, 
I feel like sometimes, and I'm, I'm guilty of charge myself. This is why I also work with the coaches that we are so stuck in our own head um, that we just forget that there is a world around us and potentially people who have navigated similar situation or different situations, but with a similar angle and therefore um, need to actually, um, we need to focus with them. This episode is brought to you by Just Jazz Private Coaching, the six-month one-to-one experience for high achievers to carve their unique careers free from burnout, overwhelm, and underwhelm. With challenging and curious conversations, we get knee-deep in all the things getting in the way of you having a hell-yeah career instead of a career that feels meh. If this sounds great to you, book a call today at justjazz.co forward slash coaching, where we will map out the what and how of working together. It's so, so, so interesting because I think we're always going to be learning. And another foundational thing is to find out how we prefer to learn. Because again, that kind of avoids a lot of the angst that we can feel as we're pursuing a goal or upskilling in a particular area. Um, Bringing it back a little bit to your work, what was that moment, take us back, (laughs) to the moment where you decided to become a career strategist, you decided to support professionals in this way? Yeah, that's a very good question. Uh, I'm conscious that so far, the only thing you know about me is I did a burnout a couple of years ago. So yeah, you're right. We need to fast forward to to where (laughs) things are Yeah, connect the dots. We can fast forward or you can take us through the journey. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I'll do a, I'll do a fast forward through the journey, but, uh, essentially I eventually after the study, um, ended up into procurement, ended up being a buyer and throughout that first internship. So the one that I actually experienced the burnout at the end of it, um, I had great connections. Like you were saying, right. It's super important wherever you're going, wherever you are with your career to, if you feel like you're meeting people who are some sort of inspiration, whatever way, shape or form, just make sure that, you know, you build those relationships because you never know where this will go, where this will take you. And this is what happened for me, because at the end of that, um, when I was finishing my master, I, I got back to who the person who was in charge of my internship. And I said, I'm looking for um, a full-time role as part of finishing my master, da, da, da. send my CV and actually forward it on to his manager, who was French and the head of global procurement for EY. So for those of you who might not know what that EY is actually one of the big four consultancy. We're looking at like a gigantic firm of like back then it was like 290,000 employees, just a machine, just a big beast of consultancy, but they also needed some buyers internally. And again, a long, very, a very long story short, I ended up choosing between London, Italy or Spain. I had opportunity to work in those three countries. So feeling very, very lucky and grateful. And I came to London. So that was eight years ago. Um, I just thought I need to work on my accent, still need to work on it, but that's part of the journey, which I enjoy. And, um, essentially I did a couple of years there in the context of having a step back with my relationship with work because of what happened before that. I've been very grateful that I had a manager who was absolutely here for me. He was taking his step as well to become a manager. So he was, you know, learning with me. We were learning together. It was a very open, transparent relationship. I cried with him. Um, I showed up in the office on Saturday because I had big work and big projects to work on, but I did find, you know, to manage the, I did manage to find the balance between all of that. Until one day, actually, my body spoke for itself. This time I had like red plaque pretty much around like the neck and, and like up until here. 
Yeah. So for those of you who are into like symbolism, whatever, pretty much means I had to speak up because it was literally around my throat and, and neck area. So um, back then I was with my boyfriend, my husband, who essentially stopped me in my tracks. And he was like, well, if you're not talking to me, your body is talking to me right now. So we need to do something about that. And so this is how I fast forwarded the consideration of changing careers um, and doing something different, but capitalizing on my skills as well. EY being a consultancy firm in the first place, after a couple of years working with them, I actually considered becoming a consultant myself within the world of procurement that I know, I knew. And I, I had opportunities to work with them, but I thought I have to do a different environment, a different company. I need to, I need to change things up. And so I joined a consultancy firm, which had a hundred of employees. So it was a completely different shift for me. A hundred of employees can be a lot. And so in that context, I thought there was something else I needed to do. Back then, I had been working for, I think it was four or five years. So my master's degree was behind me in the sense that I had all of the theory. So I felt like I hit a ceiling in terms of knowledge and learning. You know, I was just, I, I knew all of the theory, but also I started to know a lot of the practice around it. So I felt like I was a little bit at a, at a point where I just need to do something different to keep growing and learning. And in that context, um, I just ended up into like a two-day coaching weekend like initiation type of thing and i just thought for myself like i'm gonna just coach myself to navigate that yeah but I want it just, me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly but it just it just flipped upside down the whole thing because after the first day got back home and my, my husband said to me they giving you any drugs because I just came back. I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. This is what I want to be doing. It's all about people. It's about empowering them. It's got tools. It's got oh purpose. She's like, purpose. what was in the tea and coffee? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. What have they given you? Um, and yeah. And so, and so after that weekend, I just enrolled. I led a double life for a couple of months where I would wake up at six, work on my coaching certification, go to work. And then at night I would do the practice, like you were saying. So really tuning in the, the, the theory and the practice with like coaching people. And very, very quickly, I knew I had to stay in the career side of things because of what happened to me. Uh, I knew that there was an opportunity for me to truly make sure that nobody ever ended up with like red plaque or ended up burnout or would ended up feeling completely sad, demotivated and beat up by life because they're in a role that is just not the right one for them. Um, that, that quickly came on board. And uh, and what happened then is that I just put a date in a diary, had three months worth of saving to pay the rent, and I essentially started my own business. So that was uh, almost four years ago now. Time flies when you're having wow. fun. <laughs> oh my goodness. Amazing. I love that. And I love that you've given us the detail, right? You had three months of savings because a lot of people are kind of just like, I want to go full time. How do I do it? Is it possible? And it looks different for a lot of people. Um, but actually talking about the realities of it, you know, and going actually in order for me to do this, this is what I need um, for it to work. Because I think I was having this conversation with my friend who is a, um, how do I describe her? She's like an energetic business mentor, put it that way. And we were just talking about kind of our own personal development and the spaces, communities, programs, coaching um, that we do and how different it is to what we thought we would need when we started our business. So when we started our business, we thought we needed Instagram 101, social media showing up, funnels, oh, what else was there? Like how to set up a website, da, 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 da. We're now both, she's about seven years in, I'm five years in. And I'm just like, it's just mindset. 
I can pick up any of those practical skills, but I can get in my own way real quick if I don't have the mind, like if my mindset is not in the correct place. And I don't say that to be like really vague about like, oh, everything's mindset, but genuinely, like I will self-sabotage myself. Um, And when you go, you know, in a more granular sense, it's an element of knowing actually what keeps my mind in a peaceful place free from worry it's having that three month runway and being able to say well bills are covered for three months it's all good it's it's about being conscious of the thoughts that you hold that inform how you show up and what you do um it's in the same sense of having a belief that you are a good coach having a belief that you can help people and again that's where like the practice and the experience comes in and it's all of these things that actually become the fuel once you hit a certain point um and not to say you're not learning like specific skills like how to use certain platforms or how to leverage i don't know your time management but even that it has to sit on a belief of some kind that i can change how I manage my time or I can leverage it more or there's something for me to kind of learn there. And I think that's always an, I guess, an interesting thing that comes to mind when I think about going into business and everyone that I talk to that's gone into it full time. It's really easy to look at and think that that number was just a number, right? It's just an amount in an account, but it's so, so, so much more. Um, arguably, probably, this is me putting words in your mouth, but also having a supportive relationship. So, so, so much more than just like having a human to like remind you to feed yourself. It's like, no, no, no. I'm, regardless of what happens with this business, I'm loved and I'm supported. That's a powerful thought to have like at your foundation. When you're starting anything, whether it's a business, whether it's a new career, like new life. (laughs) Um, And that's something I want to get into. So, what was, I guess, what was the thing that made you move from France to London? Again, you know, you're going to be like potentially labeling me as this uh, cliche French woman talking about education. But back in school, you just had to pick between literature, uh, science or economics. And I love languages. I don't know, for some reason, don't ask me why. I've always loved languages. So this is what I picked that. And I just truly enjoy that. If you want, I can talk like that and not make any effort. Like, it's super easy for me to talk like a French person with not making any effort. I just love the whole language, the fact that you can plug your brain in, in like, I just, there's just something super cool about that. So, um, I only speak three though, but, um, this was just part of the foundation that I, I loved. And, I'm not going to get into that because this is career related, but a lot has happened on the personal side of things um, in terms of how I was uh, raised and grown up that essentially made that I didn't have like a solid stumbling block holding me super tight in France. And so I thought that a way for me to build that block for myself was actually to start it somewhere else. So I had it super early in my brain that I just had to go abroad. I just had to do something. And and this is what happened. Um, so when I was 17, I had like a one month internship in uh, London. So I came to London actually. Yeah. When was that then? I'm going to give away my age. 14 years ago. Um and I remember that month and I was like, that's amazing. I'm speaking in English. Everything is in English. I'm loving it. I'm loving this life abroad. And I thought after that month of internship, I'm not done with you, London City. I have to come back. And actually I came yeah. back. Uh, be that. back on Schwarzenegger. Mm. <laughs> exactly. Oh, amazing. I love that. I think that's one thing like this show means I get to talk to people who 
had their formative years, right? Those teenage years in so many different ways based on the country. And I think that's one of the biggest things that I always wonder what it could have been like if I had the flexibility to travel, if I had the kind of means to take an international internship or even just thought about it for myself, right? Because to be honest, there were opportunities in university. I did a placement year in my course, so I could have gone abroad. But by the time I kind of did the math on like what it would mean to spend a year um, in Hong Kong or America or Europe, um, also I hadn't committed to learning any languages as well. And it's stuff like that where, you know, getting super nostalgic, but like I've got a niece and I've got younger cousins and I will always just say to them, like, choose a language, not because you should do it. Cause that was the message that I got when I was going through school. Mm, no, but you should, should have a second language. No, no, no. Research the cultures of these languages, research yeah. the countries that speak these languages. Right. Um, the unfortunate fact of colonialism um, and I get, is there a silver lining to it? But the unfortunate fact of it is that, again, when you're a teenager, nobody tells you there are islands in the Caribbean that speak Spanish and speak French, right? There are whole parts of, of the world. You know, I recently went to Vietnam. A lot of places in Vietnam speak French. And it's like, nobody tells you that, right? And you go on a very boring, dreary trip to Calais when you're in primary school and then they tell you, you went to France, voila, that's it. And you're just like, oh, this is what's meant to motivate me. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we never get to, I think we never got to connect the dots. So that's always something that I will always be vocal about when I'm working with younger people or indeed the younger people in my family to say like, when you choose a language, choose the culture alongside it right? When it's time to go on family holidays, bring it with you, right? Campaign to your parents to say, can we go? I don't know. Can we go? I went to the South of France. It's super child friendly. Like, can we do that for a weekend? Or can we go to Barcelona and, you know, actually let me speak the language. Let me order in Spanish. Let me order in French and actually make it more of a living, breathing thing because then you're motivated to kind of do it. And then, like you said, it opens up your world like irreversibly, like your world is just forever open because you're just like, exactly. all of these are I can go. And also, like, we went to a three-week trip in, in Bali, um, and I've made it a personal mission. Everywhere I go, I will speak the basics, whatever country this is. And so we had our book with us, and obviously in Bali, I don't know if some people know that, but first of all, let me talk about Indonesia first. Indonesia is a mix of islands, and every island has their own identity and culture, so they don't even have the same word. Like, they do speak Indonesian, but each island has their own language and so we've learned quickly that actually if we wanted to get around we needed to know the specific language and the minute you start speaking those words those people you could see their face lighting up like you speak the language how do you know that like it's just such a great way to bond with people and I feel like for me this is what has been super key component of like throughout my entire career whatever decision wherever I'm heading next is about connecting with the people, meeting them where they're at halfway. Not to say you have to speak like 150 languages yeah, or whatever. Yeah, right, at least, yeah. But exactly that. And whether it's the language when you're abroad, whether it's just putting yourself into the other person's shoes and show some empathy, if you like having a challenging conversation and, and try to swap things around, like whatever it is, I think there is always a way that you can just 
get away from your own shoes and see what the other person is on the other side feeling and see how you can connect with that person. Like, I know I'm going off another tangent here, but I feel like there's no, a lot of power No, this is a welcome tangent because I think <laughs> career and life do a dance and it's very easy. Everybody wants to separate. Like we want to sort everything very neatly. And this is something even I say to people when they're having coaching consultations. I said, you might come to a coaching session and say, I want to be more confident at work. And we end up with a whole conversation about your home life and your next steps are zero, like nothing to do with work. Your next steps are like to do a dance class and phone that friend. That's fine. You live a life. Your career is part of that life, but we're allowed to go to all of those places. And even going back to what you were saying about the move from France to London, there's an element of, I don't know, it felt like that was a life choice and the career was going to follow. Right. And sometimes you know, I feel like we hear more stories about the career choice and the life following. Oh, amazing job in Canada. So I'm going to go there and move my life there because it's for the job as opposed to this is for me. And then the job will sort itself out. I'll look for the, the path once I get there. But once I'm there, that's the priority. That's a very good point. It's It's a very, very important point, actually. Yes, you're right. It's about Making sure that, I mean, first of all, it's 2023, like work-life balance is a dated concept. There is no such thing as work-life balance. It's just about Mm -hmm. finding the, I mean, you can still find the balance, but there is not such thing as like work-life. It's just like, there are so many components out there and it's just, you have to see things holistically and some stages in your life, you might have a heavy focus on your career. Some other stages, it might be the family life specifically or your own personal life, like whatever that is. But essentially it always fluctuates. It's about making sure that if you have an overall holistic look, it just works for you. All of those different Mm -hmm. avenues and areas, like, I think like you said, um, sorry, I'm very, as you can see, passionate about that, but I, I don't, yeah, I don't like never apologize. <laughs> the whole, like, this is my career. I want to achieve balance. Okay. Well, good okay. luck with that. Yeah. What does that mean? Who made that up? I know. How, probably, how yeah. I've got, I've got a theory that probably involves not that many women in there, but anyway, that's a side story. Okay, for yeah, yeah, day. yeah. Literally, my brain is going patriarchy, patriarchy, patriarchy. <laughs> of course, like that is. 100%. And even when we look at like productivity, right? Because even that as a concept is rooted in, you know, it's like over 50 years old and the way we kind of define that. And I'm enjoying watching that get challenged in 2023 with changes to working hours and just deepening the range of what it means to work remote and what it means to work flexibly. And that it's no longer a thing where it's like, if you ask for flexible working, it's because you have a child that you have to pick up. Absolutely. And you've probably seen that in the five years of business you've been in. I've seen that in the four is that we saw the world before COVID and then mm. we saw COVID and now we are out. I mean, we're not really out of it. Let's face it. We'll be just marked for it forever. But point is we are, you know, after it and we're finding our way. And I feel like th- this mm. just has speed up the process when it comes to flexible working. Like it's like on steroids, 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 whatever you so say that. Accelerator. It was exactly like a that. revolution. Absolutely. And needed, but it took us mm. forward way faster than we would have been. Yeah huge I guess I'm gonna I'm gonna like tap into your thought leadership side right because we're both two career coaches riffing about the world of work is there anything else that you see through your work that you're excited about seeing people embrace so whether that is 
a trend or an approach, a belief? Like, is there anything else in 2023 that you're like, yes, we should have been doing that ages ago. We should have realized that ages ago. Yeah, easy. Um, Working mothers who are embracing the fact that they want to have a career and they're letting their partner in when they have a partner to share the load of the home life. Mm. Like we've got loads of routes to go. Like I know like still that's not taking the full parenthood, but I could see more and more of those amazing badass women who are like, I don't want to just like excuse myself for having a career and becoming a mother. I want to have it all. And I know I can't have it all. So I need to find ways to articulate things up and I need mm. a support system for that. And that starts with my company. That starts with having a manager who supports me, but I'm going to put everything in place to make it work. We're still early stages, but we're getting there and I'm loving this. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's so huge. I've got a friend who, um, it's an ongoing dance and she's quite transparent about it in her household. So they've got a, is he three now? No, he's two. He's two, a two year old. Um, and you know, I remember inviting her for like drinks or to go to an event after work. And she was just like, Oh, if it's on Friday, I can come. That's his day to do pick up and drop off. And he works from home. So even if he is feeling unwell and needs picking up, it's not going to be me. Like I'll be in central London anyway you know, and having that time and it's not a special occasion. It's not a babe, can you, is it okay if you, it's like, no, 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 that's his day. That's his day. And if it changes, then that's fine. But we balance it out somewhere else so that she doesn't have to feel like, oh, let me, let me check. It's like, no, no, no. We've got a pre-agreed schedule. We check in. He knows when I'm going to be working from home and we know which days you're going to do bath time, bedtime, and we're going to split as much as possible, but we're also going to give each other the flexibility of, Hey, I'm actually starting a new job this week. So can you handle all of the pickup and drop-offs just so I can get my head in the zone? And if there are opportunities to socialize after, I don't need to feel rushed and then vice versa. I know you've got your huge meeting this week. Don't worry. I'll be home. I'll work home the whole week. So everything's good. And I think that is so important. And even when I think about it, like culturally seeing, seeing people also look outside of their immediate household for support. I think that's powerful as well, because I think there's an element. I think if we go back to like our cultures, like our indigenous cultures, there was this acceptance, there was this element of community and there was this mm-hmm. understanding that when you bring this child into this world, this we all are raising It this takes child. a village. I think this is where it's coming from, right? It takes a village, but we went through this process where, you know, go back in history and everything was on the mum. Everything was on the mother role and that was the sole focus. And so as we peel away from that, then we're balancing it between the partners. And then we start to realize, oh my gosh, what could this even look like? How could we flourish as two individuals if occasionally we called on grandparents? We called on friends who live nearby, right? My um, my husband is noted as the next of kin on his cousin's child's school form right? So we're going layers outside of, we're still family, we're still blood, but we're going layers outside because he said, you actually live quite close to the school. Is that okay? And he was like, yeah, no problem. I work from home most of the time. Like, like it's all, and even if I'm not home, my wife will be home, da, 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 
you know, and it's that element of it not being a, oh, can you? It's, look, we all stood here at some point, whether you're religious or not, there is a point in in the journey of bringing someone into the world, whether it's a baby shower, a christening, a blessing, a first birthday party, everybody grabs the mic or everybody writes in the card, we're here for you. We love you as a family. We're so excited for you. Anything you need. Cash in on those promises, folks, because I think that also makes us all the more richer for it. And again, those children, especially when we think about this generation, cost of living means that most kids aren't growing up a stone's throw from their cousins or immediate family. So if you can create your community, right, if that's a community of friends who live in a similar district or, you know, your kids go to the same swim club on a weekend, leverage that, really foster that community because it wasn't designed to be this independent solo I've got it. We've got it. Everything's perfect within our household. We are afraid to ask for help because it doesn't help anyone. Right. When I see, when I see um, families that leverage this, they're able to go on solo holidays. They're able to go on couples holidays. (laughs) They're able to go to festivals. They're able to live life and come back as that fully whole recharged person. So super excited to parent as opposed to, I am now shackled to this human. And I am too afraid to ask for help from my partner and I'm too afraid to ask for help for anyone else. That is a recipe for a mental health disaster, identity crisis. And again, it's, it's, it's tough. You were a whole human before you had this human. So it's going to be that disconnect of like, oh my goodness, is this me? And it's not. Um, So yeah, sorry. As soon as you said that, I was just like, yes, people ask for the help. Yes, exactly that. Agreed. Ask for the help. 100%. Oh, what's your career teaching you right now? I'm going to go back to what you said earlier, but my career is teaching me right now that, and whether I like it or not, I am my own barrier to growth, which Mm. also means there is two ways to look at it. I could look at it this way, or I could look at it as sky is the limit. I mean, essentially I'm in charge of my own journey and development and I can take mm. it as far as I, and as, as deep as I want to. So mm. yeah, that's what it's teaching me right now. It's teaching me to get out of my comfort zone, to ask for help, to get a support system in place to help me navigate some challenging times. But essentially, it's also asking me to truly connect with who I truly am, what I truly want, because this is what I need to put at the heart of how I'm moving my business forward. Again, powerful questions that you started off with when you were describing how you work with your clients, right? What do you want? What does that look like? What's the next step? Always asking ourselves questions, really. That's powerful. Where can people connect with you and your journey? Uh, feel free to hang around with me on LinkedIn. Uh, so it's actually Anais Komot uh, altogether, A-N-A-I-S-C-O-M-O-T. Also, you can check out my website. So it's hercode.co.uk. Um, essentially, you can find there the podcast as well. So you can check out what Chaz has shared on her own journey with me. Uh, and you can find yeah, a bunch of different resources in there as well. Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing your journey and getting passionate with me about the world of work. Um, This has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Jazz. I had a blast. 
Don't forget to reach out with any gems you took away. My DMs and inbox are always open and waiting to hear. And if you liked this episode, you should probably join the crew. So sign up to the Monday Memo to get weekly messages that put you back at the center of your ambitious career. With passion-filled musings created to educate and inspire, you'll have everything you need to fuel your ambitious career this year. Go to justjazz.co forward slash join and I'll see you there.